But when it comes down to it and taking those action steps of bettering your health, you do find you have improved confidence. You do have more energy. You're more friendly to be around. You're less irritable. Like you have all of these more positive traits about yourself because you feel better because you're not running to the restroom. You're not changing your pad every single day that you week. You're not having to always wear black leggings to the gym. Like there's so many other avenues that come with addressing your own concerns and taking care of, you know, self-care, right? Um, that down the pipeline, like you're going to always look back and be like, dang, I, I'm really glad I did that for myself. Hey y'all, thanks so much for listening in today to the Confident Mompreneur podcast, the podcast by real women for real women, where we talk about real life difficulties and triumphs as women, moms, business owners, and more. Thanks so much for being a part of our Confident Tribe. Let's get into it. Hello, how's it going? Good, how are you? I'm good, doing well. I have been loving your stuff on Instagram lately, so I'm super excited. Thank you. Thank you. It's fun. Well, do you want to just get us started here by introducing yourself a little bit about you and what you do? I'm Courtney, <laughs> and I'm referred to on social media as um, the female athlete doc. So I am a public core physical therapist. I mostly practice in actually only practice within the online space. So completely digital. Um, I've been a PT for three years now. Um, was in the clinic for about two of the two and a half of those years, two of those years. And now I just practice completely digital. So working with online um, rehab programming, as well as just wellness, public health coaching. So ideal um, niche is, you know, female athletes, active women. I refer to athlete as like anybody who's active, whether they're a recreational athlete or they just enjoy going to the gym and lifting heavy. They're a power lifter, crossfitter, marathon runner, um, just anybody who has goals with fitness. Um, that's kind of who my population is geared towards. Um, and that within that population has pelvic floor dysfunction or they are pregnant or mainly postpartum, um, and they are struggling to maintain activity or return to their higher level sport or physical activity, pregnant, postpartum, and trying to get rid of pain, symptoms, injury, things that have come up. So that's ideally who I work with and who I love working with and get to help them kind of bridge that gap between pregnancy, postpartum, and rehab them back into their ideal activity. That's awesome. So how did you decide to get into specializing in like pelvic floor? Um, so I've always known that I've wanted to work with athletes because I was an athlete growing up and then specifically female athletes, just because that's just kind of what I am. I'm a female and I have always done, you know, female related sports. So what got me into the public health space was when I was really, really immersed in the CrossFit population and community. And I was like heavy into it, like for about five or six years. And this was actually throughout physical therapy school. And I had no idea what kind of physical therapy I want to do throughout school. I was like, do I want to be a neuro PT? Do I want to do pediatrics? Do I want to do geriatrics or 
orthopedics, like outpatient. Um, and I knew I always wanted to be out of the hospital system and in a standalone clinic mm-hmm. and have more like time freedom for myself. Um, kind of like that eight to five, no weekends, but ideally what got me into it was the CrossFit community and working out with a lot, a bunch of women and moms in particular, and all of them would just like kind of complain about, Oh, like, you know, I pee when I leak or when I, or I jump when I, wow, I pee when I jump and run and, you know, getting back into like, like heavy lifting, like it's not the same postpartum. Like they would always make comments. And I was like, this is crazy. Like as a female athlete who like wants to do like higher level fitness, like, why are we, like, where's, where are we missing the link here in rehab? You know, why are all these women having such like devastating times postpartum trying to get themselves back back into like a higher level of fitness and struggling to do so. And so I graduated PT school and I was like, okay, well, I know that I want to work with female athletes. I don't really want to be a pelvic floor PT because it was just like when you were learning about it in school, you're like, nah, this doesn't sound fun. It doesn't sound like ideal for me. Um, and so I just jumped into a continuing education course for pregnant and postpartum, um, athletes around the barbell. So it was Olympic weightlifting, crossfitters, powerlifters, all this, all this and that, like kind of higher level weightlifting per se. And I was like, okay, like, this is great, but I'm missing the link. I can't do all of these things with this specific population without being a pelvic floor physical therapist. Like I would be doing these patients at this service without actually getting qualified in that area too. And so again, also jumped into another weekend course of that. And I was like, wow, this is it. This is my calling. Like so many women struggle with these um, types of problems, whether it's leakage or it's constipation or it's painful intercourse. Like there's so many different avenues of pelvic floor related dysfunction. But I was like, I need to learn all of it because all of these symptoms go hand in hand. Like very rarely do you find somebody who is a postpartum athlete and they only have leakage when they jump. Like it's very, very rare. You're going to find only one symptom. Typically there's like two to three to five, sometimes 10 different problems, right? You got hip pain and you also have leakage and you also have low back pain. You also have neck pain. So there, there's so many different things that come with it, but I was like, I need to know everything about everything. So that way I do not do this one person in front of me a disservice by not learning about all the other areas. I can't just help them squat better if they also have prolapse and they also have diastasis recti, like you got to learn it all. So that's a long answer to your question, but (laughs) that's what got me into it. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's perfect. I mean, honestly, I feel like it's one of those, you don't know what you don't know situations. Even when you were talking just then, like there were a couple things that you brought up that I was like, oh, I definitely struggle with that, but I never would have tied it to, you know, the same things that, you know, I struggle in the gym with like feeling like I constantly have to pee, you know, and I'm running to the bathroom like five times, which I feel like so much of it has become normalized in today's society that like people just ignore it. Like, I'm on TikTok on, you know, lifting TikTok and you always see the videos of the girls just like letting it loose while they're lifting heavy weights. And I'm like, this feels wrong, but it's so normalized. Like, is it a problem or is it okay? Like, 
I'm sure you've seen those videos. How does it make you feel as like somebody who specializes in this area? I, I mean, honestly, it's always so hard to see those videos because you get two ends of the spectrum. You get people that are like, ew, that's so gross. Like, you know, do something about that, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then you get the other end where it's like, let's celebrate it. Like some people are like, oh my gosh, great job. That's amazing. Like who cares that you pee? Like you lifted 600 pounds. Like, and so you get both sides, you get the celebration, which is great. Like, yes, we should encourage women to still continue to lift heavy and like, just lift heavy period, like not even continue, but just get in that space, take up space, lift heavy weights. Yes. But it goes to the side where it's like, why are we celebrating leakage? Like, no, there comes a point where we celebrate lifting heavy and girl power and like, do your thing, sis. But at the same time, it's like, let's not celebrate the fact that you are leaking. Like there are still imbalances within your body's foundation that are causing the leakage that should, you know, warrant attention. Like you should do something about that. Um, so I feel like, and then you get the other side, right? It's like gross. Like you should do something about it. There's help out there. Like, and you see like pelvic floor physical therapists that like, will go into those comments and be like, get help, do something about it, blah, 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 you know? Um, and so it's important to, to do both. Like it's important to celebrate, but also create awareness of like, yeah, there's help out there for you. Um, not shame them. So when I, it. Exactly. Not exactly. So it's like, you'll see it on both sides where it's like women who do go and get help for it and they still continue to leak. Um, and then you see women who, you know, don't, right. They just continue to accept it. They're like, yep, that's just what my body does. When I hit like greater than 90% one rep max, it is what it is. I I don't care. Like there are people out there that literally just accept it. And they're like, whatever, I'll just deal with it. I've tried what I've tried and it didn't work. And that's a whole nother thing, but it angers me when I see videos like that. But at the same time, it's like, Hey, I'm just going to plug in awareness. Um, I'm going to celebrate you for lifting heavy, but I'm also going to plug in awareness and do that gracefully. So that way, you know, I don't, we don't want to discriminate anybody for accepting it because maybe they are doing something about it and it's working. And that's, you know, just one leak in the pipeline. Um, but in the same time, you still want to put your input in as like little plug, like go, go get help about it or, or whatever. Maybe people are talking about that they're getting help. So Hopefully that answers. Yeah, it's just definitely interesting to like watch and there's definitely both ends of the spectrum and you kind of need to find that like happy middle ground. But I do think just even for me seeing your Instagram and kind of like, you know, seeing some of the posts that you make, it's like, oh, okay, like I'm not alone in this happening, but also there's something that I can do about it too, which is great to know. So you brought up a couple different things that can all be kind of attributed to like the pelvic floor health um some of the things that you brought up that like I was like oh definitely you know struggled with that is like um pain in sex after having a baby that was definitely something I struggled with and was like oh well it's just normal I just had a baby but when it was like a year after postpartum and still struggling with it you know I feel like that's something that should be you know 
helped with. Um, the other one was like back pain. And then also, you know, when I'm lifting, just having some leakage, what are some other maybe symptoms or signs that we can look for that say, Hey, we need to take care of this. Yeah. So those are more of like the alarming symptoms that you mentioned, right? Those are the ones that are like, Oh, I should really do something about this. Like when it comes to like kind of an embarrassment where it's like, Ooh, yeah, I actually like peed my pants and like, now I'm afraid people are going to see that in the gym. So now you shy away from certain things or you don't go or you wear black leggings to, you know, cover it up. Like those are like the more like standout profound symptoms that are like, oh yeah, I should do something. Um, or if it's painful sex, like, and that's interfering with your intimacy with your husband, or if it's like, um, feeling like something's falling out, that's going to stop you completely. But on the other side, you still have a lot, there's still a lot of warning signs that are not warning signs because they are dysfunction. Like, it's not like, oh, warning, like something's about to happen. It's one of those things like, no, that is also pelvic floor dysfunction. Just because it's not embarrassing doesn't mean it's not something you should do or there's not something you should do about it, but something like urgency. So that's not embarrassing. It's not like something that's going to prevent you from lifting or anything, but urinary urgency. If you are somebody who struggles with like timing in between restroom, like breaks, like if you're going every 30 minutes or you're going every hour, like that's pelvic floor dysfunction that can be treated. And that's not something you have to live with. It's not embarrassing. It's not like debilitating. It doesn't prevent you from doing things, but it is something that is miscommunication between the bladder and the brain and can develop into a bigger problem over time. Hmm. Um, and even like urinary frequency. So using the restroom every 30 minutes, hour, like not being able to hold it, um, controlling your bladder, those types of things, not embarrassing, not red, huge red flags. Yes, they are warning signs, but that, that's something that can get worse over time. Um, constipation, not being able to have like empty your bowels all the way or empty, empty your bladder all the way. Diastasis recti, not super embarrassing, not a big deal to a lot of people. Um, and maybe even like the mommy pooch that everyone refers to is like, oh, I can't get rid of it. I can't, I do everything and I can't get rid of it. Not embarrassing. Um, doesn't prevent you from doing things, but it is something that, especially mommy pooch and like diastasis recti, those are things that can create dysfunction later in life if you don't do something about it. So while it's not a problem now, two years from now, five years from now, third baby from now, like that, those things do create a bigger problem down the pipeline. Mm -hmm. There's a ton of different other symptoms that aren't like, you know, stop you in your tracks, embarrassing. Like I better do something about this. I can wait. Um, so but just those other ones, I kind of inconvenience like, you yeah, in inconvenience my, anything. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. There's so much tied to it that I mean, I wouldn't think of. So I feel like a lot of people who, you know, don't have the knowledge and resources would also not think of. So what are some of the things that we can do if we're struggling with these things? Um, you know, even whether we're pregnant right now or we're in that postpartum phase, or even like me, I'm like five years down the line from postpartum, but still struggling with this stuff. Like, what can we do to prevent when we're, you know, in our pregnancy and do to help after pregnancy? Yeah. So if this is like 
if you are somebody who is pregnant, um, first time, fourth time, eighth time, which would be great, <laughs> but <laughs> like, no matter how, what level of pregnant level, um, in the trimester you are, or number of pregnancy that you have had always go, always go to pelvic floor therapy, like hands down, even if like you don't have symptoms now it's preventative. Like rehab can be treated as prehab too. It doesn't always have to be after the fact. Hmm. And even then when you have the baby, like doctors aren't going to send you to pelvic floor PT. Like it's not like that. Unfortunately, it's not like that. I wish it was right. You have knee surgery, you have shoulder surgery, you go to PT right away, right after that surgery, you go. It should be standard of care where you birth a watermelon out of your vagina (laughs) to go to PT. Like Mm -hmm. that is huge. Um, it's not standard of care, unfortunately, right now. So I'm always an advocate for your own health. So, you know, just being educated in general, like I feel like pelvic floor and core and all of that is like, and deep core activation is like really blown up over the past year or so on social media. And so if you were somebody who's like listening to this podcast or like just saw a post about it, like just learned about it, go, go and read as much as you can about this topic, because it can always be preventative Um, during pregnancy, early postpartum, and even like many years postpartum. Like when I was in the clinic, I was treating 60, 70, 90 year olds coming to pelvic floor uh, PT with dysfunction. And a lot of them were like, wow, I wish I knew about this when I was in my twenties, or I wish I knew about this when I was in my thirties or right after I had my baby. Or yeah, right after struggling with it for years and years. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I've been wearing like 80 year olds. Like I've been wearing pads for the last 20 years. And it's like, do you know how many people, how much money people spend on pads or urinary products per year? Upwards of eight to 800 to a thousand dollars a year. Jeez. That's good. Can you imagine that's $20,000 if you do that for 20 years? I can name so many things that I could spend $20,000 on. (laughs) Yeah, right. No kidding. (laughs) So like, it is one of those things that can be preventative. Like sometimes it's hard if you go through insurance, like, and if you don't have a justified reason to go, sometimes your doctor won't let you. And sometimes your insurance will deny you, which is asinine. Like, that's so crazy. Like, yeah. Healthcare in this world anymore is sick care. They don't want preventative. They're not going to pay for preventative. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that looks like going out of pocket and that's okay. Like for me, like I would rather spend money if it means that I'm not going to pee myself for the next eight years of my life. Yeah. Um, so that's the thing it's preventative, but also when you have dysfunction, go to pelvic floor therapy. That's the first thing you should do. Get educated about it. Make informed consent for yourself. Like, yep, I should do this, something about this, or I should go. And then and just go. Most states um, are direct access to physical therapy. So depending on where you live, you can literally walk into a physical therapy clinic and get treated that day Hmm. or get evaluated that day. And if you choose to go through your insurance, typically you'll have to get a referral if you are um, an HMO. But if you have a PPO plan, typically they just allow you to go to physical therapy and they cover it typically without a referral. Hmm. So you don't always need a doctor's referral to go to physical therapy unless your insurance requires it. And if you don't go through insurance, you can just go if you are a direct access state. 
Mm. So you can just literally Google like direct access. Like if I live in Arizona, we're a direct access state. So I can just Google, hey, physical therapy, direct access, Arizona. And if it, and you'll read yes or no, and I can just walk into a clinic and get treated. That is so nice. And, well, and, of- and now there's online therapists now like you too which makes it so much easier especially for a mom like so she doesn't have to haul three kids into an office while she's trying to take care of it exactly and that's the other thing you don't need any referral to do online coaching that's out of pocket and you just meet with a provider online depending Mm -hmm. on where you live they can either consider it physical therapy or they can consider it coaching that's how we do it Mm, that's awesome yeah I do think it's kind of dumb that we don't do more of that preventative or even like after care when it comes to moms you know doctors are just like yep looks good at your six-week appointment and then just like shoves you out and you never see him again until you're pregnant you know and and so I think that's part of the reason why it's all so normalized and so many people struggle with issues is because of our healthcare system but that's yeah. a whole thing in and of itself. <laughs> that's a um, whole, whole other Zoom. <laughs> whole other podcast, um, which we've had several other doctors on here and they all say the same thing, that it's um, yeah. a general healthcare issue. One of the things that you brought up um, was like doing stuff while you're pregnant for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it safe and actually good for you and your pelvic floor health to keep working out while you're pregnant because I feel like some people have issues with that especially if you're like a lifter and you're lifting heavy can you continue doing that through pregnancy definitely absolutely if you are somebody who is a higher level athlete if you are somebody who is very physically active prior to pregnancy There is no reason unless the doctor is like, you are a high risk pregnancy. You cannot, they give you those contraindications because of your pregnancy status. There is no reason you should not continue lifting at the same level and same intensity that you were prior to. However, every day is different in pregnancy, right? That first trimester, some people are really, really sick, really fatigued, like low energy levels, like don't push it in the gym. Maybe it looks like a walk outside for you. Maybe it looks like just stretching on the, on a yoga mat. Like it's going to look different every single day. And the best thing to do during pregnancy is, you know, your body, you know, your body better than anybody else. Listen to what your body tells you. If you are tired, don't push it. If you feel great, push it. That's really like the basis of how it goes. All I do when I'm coaching pregnant athletes, um, whether it's rehab that I'm doing for them, or it's just like their generalized fitness programming. I tell them, listen to your body, but I'm going to give you the signs and symptoms to look for. Hmm. So I'm going to say, okay, these are the things like, here's a list of symptoms. If you feel any of these symptoms, let me know and scale back if we need to. I never eliminate. I always modify. So if we're working on squats and you know squat range of motion is impacted because you're in your third trimester and your belly's a lot bigger, then maybe we're not going to squat as low and we'll squat to a box because squatting low causes hip pain and back pain. So now we're going to modify and just change the activity, but keep the stimulus the same. Hmm. So typically that's how it works. If you are somebody who's active, continue on. But if you are somebody who's like not active, you've never worked out a day in your life, Besides, you know, walking or something, you've never picked up a barbell, 
pregnancy is not the time to pick up a barbell because you've heard that barbell lifting is good during pregnancy. Always do what you've known. Don't learn something new unless you are working with a qualified professional. Fair enough. <laughs> That's a good answer. I like that answer. Um, the other thing I was going to say is I feel like the one thing that we've always been fed when it comes to like pelvic floor health is like do kegels. So is that actually helpful or is there other like exercises or things like that that we could do to help with that? Yeah. Kegels are great. Um, I'm not a provider that says like, don't do kegels. Don't ever do them because they definitely have a time and place, especially if you are somebody who has never like connected with that area of your body. If you've never done a Kegel before, you've never done a pelvic floor contraction. That's what a Kegel is. Um, if you have no awareness of that area, or if you have no idea how to relax that area, then we will work on Kegels and even reverse Kegels to get you to be able to contract that muscle like by itself and then be able to relax it by itself. Because a lot of times people have no idea how to do Kegels and they co-recruit, meaning they squeeze their glutes, they squeeze their inner thigh muscle, they use their abdomen. They use all these other muscles surrounding their pelvic floor to help contract the pelvic floor because they cannot contract it on its own. And it's actually hard to do on its own, um, especially if you have no idea what's going, what, what they are or like where they're even at. <laughs> yeah, right. So they're appropriate for somebody like that, right? They have, they need that mind and muscle connection. However, in terms of like stopping leakage, strengthening that muscle specifically um, and prolapse symptoms or things like that, not helpful. I mean, a little bit but they are not the end all be all because like I said, you can co-recruit. So you're not even actually strengthening those muscles specifically. And then also there are better exercises out there that can recruit the pelvic floor muscles with a greater percentage than just doing Kegels alone. So I ne never prescribe them for somebody unless it's like immediately postpartum because that's the time where those muscles get like for a vaginal birth, they get maximally stretched. And so they get very, very, very weak during childbirth. And so that's something like immediately postpartum where they're like two to four weeks. And I'm like, yeah, let's do some gentle Kegel contractions just to get that awareness, just to get that mind and muscle connection. Not because the goal is, yeah, I'm going to stop you from peeing just by doing Kegels. Mm-hmm. So, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So are there any other specific like exercises that you do or is it totally dependent on the type of person, you know, what exactly is going on within their pelvic floor and kind of their level of fitness? Do, is that how you typically gauge it? Yeah. So it really is always dependent because for some, like I never tell everybody, hey, go do Kegels without actually doing an assessment because typically, and I would say in female athletes in general, that population, they have a hypertonic pelvic floor, meaning their muscles contract very well and often too much. And they're on more often than they should be. They're on the pelvic floor muscles are on all the time. I shouldn't say that, but they are they're tighter than normal. Because female athletes are strong, right? They are good at contracting their muscles. They have good mind and muscle connection. They have really good body awareness typically. So their muscles are going to be more tighter 
um, because they're always kind of contracting because female athletes just kind of like, they just are always contracting their muscles. They're squeezing their glutes and things like that. So for somebody who is a female athlete, I don't ever really prescribe certain exercises because I want to assess them first because they might need down training. They might need more relaxation than contraction. So for example, you'll see like somebody who has like painful intercourse and like if they don't tell you that they have painful intercourse, but they just had a baby and they want to get like uh, strengthen their pelvic floor muscles. I'm not going to say, Hey, go do Kegels, go do squats, go do boot bridges, go do core exercises. Cause those are like typical exercises to answer your question. Like what you would do to help strengthen those muscles. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't give those to that person because their muscles are already too tight and they have pain with sex. So it's like, why am I going to go prescribe those things to somebody off of the street when I've never assessed them, but deep yeah. down inside, they have all these other sign warning signs of tension. And that's just going to make it worse. That's what I was going to ask actually was if those muscles are too tight, is that the reason that maybe that intercourse can be painful? And if they're too loose, is that when we kind of get the leakage and stuff, or is it kind of a mix of both sometimes? A mix of both. Yeah. You can have a tight pelvic floor muscle muscles and still have leakage and still have prolapse and still have hip pain. And it, they, there's no like symptom that goes in just one category. Mm-hmm. You can get the same symptom with weakness in the pelvic floor. And I hate saying weakness because a tight muscle is a weak muscle. So there's no like one or the other, like a loose muscle versus a tight muscle. Like I hate the word loose muscles because our muscles aren't loose. Like they're just weak, mm-hmm. but I hate using the word weak because <laughs> a tight muscle is still a weak muscle. So there's no two, ca- like there's two categories. Yes. Because you can have tight hypertonic pelvic floor. I like to use that better. Hypertonic meaning tight, hypotonic meaning not tight, but not necessarily loose. So you can get symptoms in both categories. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yes. Yes, it does. Okay. So that's so interesting though. Yeah. That kind of that tightness, it, it makes so much sense now that I think about it, you know, as an Mm -hmm. athlete with those tighter muscles and more body awareness and those types of things that that was an issue. But I, I do love what that we're talking about it because it's like, all of a sudden, all of these light bulbs are going off in my head. Like, this makes so much sense. So for those moms that are in that, you know, postpartum stage and they're struggling with some of these things, what final tips, tricks, tools, anything like that do you have for them? Okay. So the biggest thing initially is remember this one thing, lengthen before you strengthen always, no matter what muscle group you're targeting, if it's your shoulder, your hip, your pelvic floor, whatever, lengthen before you strengthen. And why, and what I mean by that is when we refer to range of motion of a muscle, your muscle needs to be able to completely lengthen and completely contract. You need full range of emotion, full range of motion of a muscle to actually strengthen a muscle. So you are doing a disservice if you have a tight muscle and you just contract it, right? Like if you look at my bicep, like whoever's watching this, <laughs> if my muscle, if my bicep is at 90 degrees and I only go 90 degrees to zero degrees, 
like I'm only strengthening 90 degrees of range of motion when my bicep can go to all the, all the way to 180. Mm-hmm. So if I can get that muscle to lengthen all the way to 180 and then bring it all the way back to zero, I'm actually strengthening that muscle because it's that muscle is elongating and then contracting, shortening through a full range of motion. So no matter where you are in your journey, whether you are newly postpartum, pregnant, whatever, don't just go strengthening a muscle if you have no idea if that muscle even needs it. Mm-hmm. Some people think like, I have leakage. I need to strengthen that muscle. Not necessarily. Because like I said, leakage can go in any category. Because mm-hmm. you can have hypertonic or hypotonic muscles. So the safest bet is to always stretch and lengthen a muscle, especially the pelvic floor, before you go strengthening. That's the safest way. It might not be the fastest way to get the results that you want. And that's society, right? They always want that quick fix. They want whatever to stop it right away. But long-term, if you want long-term gains and long-term results, lengthen first, then strengthen. So how do we lengthen those muscles specifically that we're trying to work on in our pelvic floor? So that would look like um, breathing techniques. So the pelvic floor muscles sit at the bottom of the pelvis, like if you have a, just a bowl and just picture pelvic floor muscles sitting at the bottom of that bowl. So in that bottom of the bowl, those muscles can lengthen and contract simultaneously with breathing. So your breathing muscles, your diaphragm and your pelvic floor muscles sit below your diaphragm and make up the bottom of your core. Your diaphragm is at the top of your core, the pelvic floor muscle at the bottom. So just by breathing in an inhale and an exhale, you can get range of motion to the pelvic floor. So when you inhale, those muscles fully, they come down, they descend into the the pelvic floor or the the bowl per se, and they uh, stretch, they lengthen, they're relaxed. And then on an exhale, those pelvic floor muscles recoil back up and simultaneously contract back to their resting tone level. So just by breathing, you can get full range of motion with intention. Like if you're intentionally breathing, you're focused on it. You can try to get full lengthening, relaxation and full contraction. Yeah. So that's one of the best ways in addition to obviously stretching um, and helping those muscles relax that way too. Yeah, that, well, and that brings us back to like that body mind connection. If we're intentionally breathing in into and out of that there's actually um this tiktoker i follow i don't know if you've seen her or not she does pelvic floor breathing exercises on tiktok with you so she like puts on music and she's like okay on this beat we're going to like lift up and on this beat we're going to let down I've seen her. <laughs> yeah it's so funny it's hilarious and you're like what is this like why would you do that but it makes so much sense because you're making that connection and actually intentionally like making yeah, that yeah. with your body. I've seen that. Um, and I agree with what she says on the, you know, lengthening, contracting kind of thing, but I do not like the idea of doing it to a beat um, <laughs> or how she, if we're talking about the same person, how she also says like do contractions to the beat of the music as well. I do not like that as well, because like I said, <laughs> anybody and everybody's watching that video, right? Mm -hmm. It's probably not for you, 
most of the time, it's probably not for you. Do not do that. Do not follow Instagram and TikTok videos because <laughs> they might not be for you. Like you might make it worse. And yeah, so it's true. if you want to do breathing, put on some relaxing music by yourself. Don't watch a video. Don't do it to a beat or a tone and just me- like meditate on it. Like be intentional. Don't be distracted. Kids shouldn't be running around. You shouldn't be watching TV. Like the best way to be and get that connection is to mindfully think about that muscle and do it on your own, on your own pace, on your own breath. Like, cause otherwise, like if you can't get full breaths, like let's say your rib cage mobility is, is very poor and you can't get full, full inhales and full exhales because your rib cage is not, your mobility is not there. Then what makes you think that your pelvic floor is going to have good range of motion if you can't breathe correctly? And now you're doing it to a beat and that beats like fast. And you're just trying to like, you're like, and you're trying to relax your muscles at the same time. And it's no, just don't (laughs) just do it on your own. (laughs) Fair enough. Sounds good. And I do also have a private Facebook group, um, where I go live in it. So it's a lot more in detail than just like Instagram content posts. In the Facebook lives, we actually do some integrative things. So like, we'll look at posture. For example, I'm doing it tonight over posture. And then I'm going to give you some action steps on how to improve your posture with some exercises. So just by starting with improving your posture, you can improve your pelvic floor dysfunction because that is rib cage mobility and pelvic, like pelvic positioning. So if we can position your body better, we can get rid of symptoms in that manner. So there's a lot of free resources sources out there for this. There's a ton of pelvic floor physical therapists on social media. A lot of it comes down to integrating a program for you, right? Custom plan, you get custom results. One size fits all program, you get one size fits all results. And sometimes it's not specific. So all that to say, like, just do your research, do your due diligence and make sure that you don't skip around Instagram videos because it's not always appropriate for you. Um, But when it comes down to it and taking those action steps of bettering your health, you do find you have improved confidence. You do have more energy. You're more friendly to be around. You're less irritable. Like you have all of these more positive traits about yourself because you feel better because you're not running to the restroom. You're not changing your pad every single day that you week. You're not having to always wear black leggings to the gym. Like there's so many other avenues that come with addressing your own concerns and taking care of, you know, self-care, right? Um, that down the pipeline, like you're going to always look back and be like, dang, I, I'm really glad I did that for myself. Yeah, so. I agree 100%. Well, thank you so much for all of this knowledge. I feel like it was so helpful for me. So I know it's going to be super helpful for other people. Um, so because you do this as your job and you're available online to all of us, really, if we wanted, where can we find you? What programs do you have available? What does that look like? Yeah. So I have a website. Um, you can find me at, you know, www.femaleathletedpt.com or social media, Instagram. I'm not as much on TikTok. I would say Instagram, Facebook, the female athlete, dpt.com or just regular, just sorry, at sign. (laughs) And then, um, through there we can do set it up a free consultation. So that'll just look like a call to talk about your specific concerns, your background history, all of that. And then we can vet you and see if you are appropriate for a customized program. 
And what that looks like is, so say you're a good fit, you know, we, you want to work on X, Y, Z, you have these symptoms and you're ready, you know, for a customized program. What that looks like is we'll do an evaluation. We'll do a full hour evaluation, movement screen, looking at range of motion, your strength, your posture, your activation patterns, relaxation patterns. We look at all these different things. And then from the assessment, that's where we create that custom program for you. Whether you are a stay-at-home mom, a working mom, you go to the gym to work out, you work out from home, wherever you are in your journey, we meet you where you're at. So you don't have to be a crazy athlete going to a CrossFit gym or running a marathon to be considered a female athlete or an active female. You can work out with Peloton at home if you want. Like wherever you are in your active journey, we meet you there. Whatever equipment you have, whatever time you have. So that way there's no barriers to getting started on your rehab journey because it, there should never be any barriers. You're always appropriate to go to pelvic floor rehab, no matter where you are in your journey. So that's what that looks like. Customized programming, one-on-one -on -one support the whole time, feedback as needed, all of that. And so we'll just start with a, a free consultation from there. Awesome. I love that so much. I think you know, just by going through and taking care of this one piece of our health, it's going to help us, you know, feel so much more confident when we're not having to struggle with all of this stuff and feel, you know, uncomfortable in our own bodies. So I love that you do this for women. I think it's amazing. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Y'all, wasn't that just incredible? Thank you for being here with me today. And if you loved this episode, please leave us a review and share and tag us on all your socials. We'll see you next time.